0: Since It's been a couple of weeks since we've uh, looked at Jonah, we had the break last week, and some of us might not have seen all the sermons, some of us, some of us might not have heard any of the sermons. So we're just going to watch a video for a few minutes that will recap the essence of what um, Jonah 1, 2, and 3 have been talking about, so that when I pick up uh, the chapter 4 in a few moments' time, we're all kind of up to speed of what's been going on. Right, so I'm going to pick up where the video left off, and now we're going to look at chapter four. So up until this point, we have had Jonah Prophet, who has heard from God, run away from God, rescued by God, given space to see and acknowledge what he's doing, and then put back into his mission, gone to Nineveh, fulfilled his mission, and in a a way that Jonah really wasn't prepared for and didn't really want to see happen. So we now see uh, Jonah's response, which is not hes not a very happy soul, um, in how uh, God responded to, to Nineveh and their repentance. So now we've reached the last chapter, and we'll take a closer look at how Jonah responds. Yet again, he doesn't exactly cover himself in glory. Or will show us a shining example of how to respond to God's work. So, here we go. So what does Jonah do? Does he celebrate with excitement that the Ninevites have turned around their lives and are now God-centered people? Does he delight that the Ninevites won't experience the destruction that Jonah prophesied? Put simply, no. He simply gets himself into a grump. This chapter starts off, but Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He's clearly got to be in his bonnet about something to do with the Ninevites. He really, I don't know, it's just a really interesting response. You kind of, uh, I don't know how well you know the rest of the prophets in the Old Testament, but he is he is a unique character, shall we say. Um, it's... Uh, if somebody... Uh, so... Um, what Jonah sees is God reacting in the way that Jonah knows God will react. Jonah has these boundaries in his head, he makes mention of them in verse two. And yeah, he's he's just a very interesting character. He's somebody who has clearly been chosen by God to do a specific mission. So God you know, God chooses people for a purpose but doesn't respond and doesn't react in the way that we would expect him. So, to me, I would expect somebody like Jonah to have a sense of release, of happiness, of delight, that the mission he'd been chosen to do, given by God, had turned out how it was supposed to be. It had been successful. There wasn't disaster. There wasn't famine. There wasn't flames. There wasn't thousands of people dying. People had got down on their hands and knees and repented and were wanting to choose God and helping helping them to see and acknowledge who God is and the lives that they live in line with that, it sounds like a pretty good mission to me, like something that we should be excited about, something that he should be excited about. Surely it is a wonder and a delight when God chooses Jonah, ourselves, to do something, and we see that come to life, we see that reality working out, we see people's lives change, but oh, not Jonah. Jonah clearly knows the true character of God. As he states in verse 2, God is a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. So, verse 3 has shown us exactly who God is. God has not stepped out of character, hasn't done anything crazy or ungodlike. He's done exactly what Jonah was expecting. Surely Jonah will be full of praise and delight as God responds to him. And writes, was completely within Jonah's understanding of God. Nothing, no curveballs, no mysteries, no twists, no shakes, no, nothing that catch him off guard. But oh no, not Jonah. Not only has he got grumpy at God, but he goes one step further and states that because of what happened and the situation he now finds himself, it would be better to die. It's a bit extreme, isn't it, surely? I mean, something positive has happened. People have turned to God, but yet he's got himself into this space where he wants to die. It gets even more crazy to now what want to die. It's turned out that it's just bonkers, isn't it? I mean, does this really seem like a response to the same person? It's just a little bit weird. It makes you wonder... What was Jonah really concerned about? Was he concerned about the right things? Was he concerned about God's wisdom and grace shining through in this crazy situation where the uh, Syrian empire, nasty people, baddies in the stories, turn out to be the goodies by turning around and repenting? Surely that would make sense. That would be an exciting thing, to see the power of God working in people's lines, changing it around, but not Jonah. God, obviously being God and very wise, gives Jonah this chance, like he gave him in the whale, to stop and think, and to think about what he's actually doing. Because I don't know about you, sometimes when you get in a grump, Jennifer will attest to this, I sometimes get in a grump, that sometimes you kind of need an equivalent of a naughty step. You need to sit down, take a deep breath, and think about what you're doing, and the whole haze that might descend into you when you get into your grumpiness, you need time to get out of it. Time to think, actually, I'm being a bit of a numpty here. I need to stop. I need to acknowledge where I've got wrong. And actually, Jonah's not doing that with another human being. Jonah's doing that with God, which kind of, you know, simple-minded me. You know, God's more likely to be right than Jonah. In, in, In any case, God is more likely to be right than us. God is going to be more right than we are. But Jonah's got himself into a right grump. So God gives him this chance. To sit, reflect, and to... to I don't know, if, if God asks you the question, do you have the right to be angry? I mean, you can stick your hand and give it an answer you want. But mine, I would kind of... You know, like, if you're at school and you've done something wrong and the head teacher kind of came into the school and said, what have you done? Or... You know, you kind of like, it's the head teacher. Uh, you would probably confess. You'd probably say, right, I've been an idiot. I've got it wrong, because you're quite scary head teacher. But Jonah's got this with God, and he doesn't seem to have this... I don't know about... You, it would, to me, it would seem like a heart response in that kind of situation, where God's, you know, not quite big brother finger pointing down at him, but kind of giving him an opportunity to do you think that's right? And I, my thinking when I was preparing this was, surely... Some kind of, you know, light bulb moment would go on. That Yes, he's got himself into a grump yet again. Um, but when God asks you he got the right to be angry, so a light bulb would happen. It's like if, if you're in having a falling out with somebody and you go and sit down on that step and you reflect on it, you have those moments where, yes, it may take time, but you have this realization of, I've got it wrong. That person was right, I got myself my, excuse the expression, my knickers in a twist, I didn't really need to do that, I've got to go and put it right. But Jonah seems to have none of this. It doesn't even, uh, there isn't even a verbal response from Jonah. He just takes himself off outside of the city, builds himself a little shelter to presumably sit, wait for the destruction to happen. In his head... He's still hoping that some kind of, I don't know, raining down a fire happens, or something, destruct, some destruction is rained upon Nineveh. So he's made himself a little shelter. It's a bit like, you know, I don't know, going to watch a football match. He's probably got himself some snacks, and he's waiting to watch the entertainment. But the entertainment that he's expecting isn't going to come, because that's not God's plan. And yet again, God provides him more shelter. Yes, Jonah makes shelter for himself, but God provides the vine to give him more shelter so that he doesn't experience the harsh winds, the sun, the rain, whatever may rain down on him. And so that his experience of waiting for the destruction isn't as comfortable as possible. God gives them the vine. So, he's got the shelter, God's provided the vine, give him more shelter, yet still grumpy, still stubborn, still not going to change, still going to sit and wait. So God decides, right, you're a numpty. My word's not God's. You're a numpty, I'm going to send a worm. Because you're not appreciating it, you're not going to change your mind, you've got yourself into a complete and utter flap. And for whatever the reasons are, you're stuck where you are. So the worm comes along and takes away the protection for Jonah. So now that if it rained, he would get soaked to his skin. If it was sun, he could get sunburned. Jonah's still not changing his mind. So for a second time, God asks him, do you have the right to be angry? And surprise, surprise, yes, Jonah still thinks he has the right to be angry. Jonah's response is, I do, he said. I am angry enough to die. He really has got himself into a right pickle. Because if you think about when you've kind of got yourself into a grump, I maybe do it more than other people. But, you know, to get yourself into such a grump that actually you think life is not worth living anymore. Life is so terrible, given the context of something amazing that's happened in Nineveh and God, people have turned to God. But Jonah's managed to get himself into such a grump that he wants to die. It's just bonkers. A bit like the, the video is pointing out. It just seems the opposite end of what you'd expect from a prophet. you expect prophets to be wise, to be sensible, to be God-fearing, to be, uh, have a passion for, um, for people, whether they be um, Israel in the context of Old Testament or whether they be uh, pagans or just a passion for people and people returning to God, or coming to God to start with. But not Jonah. He's more bothered about himself. He certainly is an interesting character. He's so annoyed about the vine and its own protection that he's angry enough to die. That is full-on anger I hope none of us ever experience in life. This is all over something that is transient. The vine appeared and disappeared in less than 24 hours, and so any sense of proportion has just completely and utterly gone out of the window. We end this passage with God having the final word, which I don't know about you, is probably the best way to have it, especially given what Jonah's been like. God points out how he should be concerned about the more than 120,000 people who are on a pathway that is not close to him that's far away that is a path of destruction both spiritually morally and any other way you want to care you care to describe it this should remind Jonah that Yahweh in, in God's response it should remind Jonah that Yahweh God is a god of the Hebrews but also a god not just exclusively for the Hebrews for Israel but also a god for all people groups God is the God who wants to reach out to all humanity in the context of the Old Testament through the Hebrews and now in the New Covenant through us. And that is something that, for whatever reason, Jonah has lost sight of. Jonah, being a Hebrew, as is pointed out in chapter 1, would have known the promises of God made to Abraham in Genesis 12 and and 1-2, And chapter 22, verses 18, these are promises to Abraham that he's going to bless Abraham in order that he reaches out to all the nations and blesses them, brings them into relationship with him. These, if you wanted to word it like this, could be seen as some of the first missional verses in the Bible, verses which show God's desire to use what became known as Israel to draw all of humanity to himself and away from their current paths. How had Jonah lost sight of God's mission to reach out to all of humanity? God isn't an exclusive God for only one set of people in one particular time. The God of the scriptures, Old and New Testament, is a God for everyone. I don't know why Jonah had lost sight of this, but he certainly had, despite the fact that he was a prophet. And he certainly wasn't and hasn't been the last person to do, to do that. So we wandered through uh, chapter 4, seeing what Jonah's done, seen he's, I'm going to use the word again, numpty, uh, got himself into a pickle. But what does that mean for us? Surely we're nothing like Jonah. Surely we wouldn't ever lose sight of the fact that God wants to reach out to everybody regardless of who they are, that God loves everybody regardless of who they are. And I was sat pondering, trying to work out what application this has to us. Because we can understand the passage, see what Jonah's like, and end it there. And that's kind of okay. But actually, I believe that Scripture is God-breathed. And there to challenge us, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament. And I boiled it down to the fact that I think it's important from this passage that we're not only people who know God, but we need to be people who are knowing God. And as I wrote that down, I wondered whether people are going to go, they're the same thing, he's gone crazy, who gave him a mic? So I thought I'd better unpack that. In the first aspect of knowing God, we may know the facts about God, we could have read the Bible and different theological books lots of times, know about the various actions of God and what he did in various points of history so we know the, th- the things that he did the actions that he did we know the written word on these bits of pa- on those pieces of paper we could also know about jesus and what he did in history but all of this is staying at a brain level not going deeper it's like we've read god's cv but we don't know the real person and appreciate how he interacts with the world around us in the second aspect of knowing god it takes it takes it to another, another level we start to see and learn the full picture of who God is. We see God's character and personality shining through the Bible. And in this level, our hearts or our inward perspectives on life are transformed in line with God's. This is where we fall in love with God. Yes, we can intellectually know God. We can intellectually understand the Bible and not have a passion for God, not have love of God, not have love of God in us. It's always been something that has puzzled me. Um, Myself and Jennifer both had the privilege of um, studying at university and somebody, uh, Jennifer studied at Oxford University and had some of the most clever intellectual minds who who were lecturers in theology and yet knew God on that first basic level, knew his CV, but yet didn't know God. And it's one of the things that kind of baffles me, how you can read and read and read and yet not know God. But on the second level, it's about a heart renewal. It's about taking what goes on up here, the things that we know, the things that Jonah knew about God, the things that he even makes mention about God being compassionate and caring and and, um, gracious and slow to anger and bounding in love. And actually allowing those things to impact our heart and our whole being and life. It enables us to move towards having God's heart for all people. God's heart for ourselves. Sometimes our biggest critic can be ourselves. Because we have fallen out of love with ourselves. I mean that in a sensible way, not a weird kind of way. In a way that just appreciates that we are made in the image of God. We are sons and daughters of God. We are an amazing being. Yes, we all have our flaws, like Jonah. We can have our grumpy moments, hopefully not as bad as Jonah. We can all go off path, but ultimately, we are amazing beings, and God delights in us. So, as we look back over Jonah's response from the beginning to the end of this book, to me, it seems like he's lost, heart, lost sight of God's heart for all of humanity, probably even including himself. These are guesses, but given that people involved are Ninevites, Jonah could quite easily have experienced, either directly or indirectly, negative aspects of these people. And given his responses, they are probably not standalone events. Jonah could have been worn down repeatedly over the impact and the oppression that the Assyrian Empire, the Ninevites, put onto him or people he knew or kingdoms and just had enough of them. And I think if we think about it in life, there can be maybe a group of people or individuals who over time we have just got fed up with and given up on and can't see possibly how they could change or how even God could change their lives. And maybe this is what's going on in the book of Jonah and why he got himself into a grump, why he decided to run away, that he just given up. Yes, he knew God's character. Yes, he knew, probably knew promises from the Old Testament, probably knew various things. But he'd given up almost on God. He'd definitely given up on God changing the Ninevites. Jonah had hardened his heart towards them. He'd lost God's love for them. He'd lost a desire to see God transform their lives or that it was even possible for God to transform the Ninevites. If we took time to reflect on this, there may well be specific people or people groups that are our Ninevites. People that we have just, whether it be uh, people, individuals that we've come across uh, in our daily lives, that annoying person at work, that um, boss who's a terrible person who just puts a is oppressive towards us, that specific people group, um, whether that be geographical people group. So our next-door neighbors or a specific area in the Anglican Church of our parish or um, a specific country in the world where it just seems like Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God are never going to break through and it's never going to change. Or it could be our brother, our sister, our husband, our wife, our next-door neighbor. I think if we reflected about that, there would be Ninevites in our lives. So how do we um, get to be knowing people of God? Going back to the idea of God's CV. If we were to read a CV of any person sat here tonight... We would only know them on a certain level. We could do this in about five minutes. We could all get our CV out and say, yeah, they, they went to this school, took these exams, went to university, you didn't go to university, you did all these jobs, did all these, has all these kind of um, hobbies or whatever. And you're like, well, oh, I know this person. Or we could go out for a drink, tea or coffee. It doesn't have to be alcoholic. Spend a couple of hours chatting with them and discovering more about them. And the picture of who they are would increase we get to know them we get to see how they interact with people see them beyond that sheet of paper those words written on it chat find out how they if you did that more we meet up and chat and then we'd see how they interact in different scenarios because maybe the way we interact in church might not be the same as if we interacted in the pub i'm not saying it's always different but it might be Um, how you interact in a stressful situation, often you uh, see that person's character come to the fore. And you slowly build up a, a picture of who they are, how they interact, whether you like them or not even. So on a very basic level, this is how we go from being people who know God to people knowing God. We have to spend time with God, asking him by the Holy Spirit to help us understand him more. It's not just reading. It's giving time over to God, being open to him shaping, challenging, and reforming our lives and our perspectives. When we put all of our distractions to one time, to one sidebar, and focus on reading scripture with God's help, when we pray in a quiet space and when we're out and about, we're involved in song worship, we are, step by step, getting to know who God is. And being open to God, revealing more of himself and allowing him to change our heads and our hearts more in line with him, step by step. A journey that isn't easy, as it shines light into the areas of our life that needs reforming. If Jonah had been sensible and not a numpty, when God asked him, do you have the right to be angry? Light would have shone in and hopefully reformed Jonah's heavy heart and hardness towards the Ninevites but we didn't see any of that are we going to be people that don't allow that light in to be reformed or are we going to be people that choose to be people who are knowing God allowing God into our lives and that through this we will be changed each day more and more into the likeness of God discovering more and more who, who Jesus is and how his death and resurrection transformed our lives and everybody else's when we give it the chance. just got two questions to leave you with to ponder. Do we, do you, truly know God? And is your heart where God wants it to be?